Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the, the player side of it, that second part, uh, expectations for those guys in, in walkthroughs. Because, again, I think you know you want them to understand while this is not a physical period, there's a lot of important stuff going on. So how do you set those expectations for them? Well, we tell the players that the practice starts as soon as they cross the white line. And that white line is called the focus line. So they can cut it loose walking out to practice. They can cut it loose in the locker room. They can cut it loose, you know, entering the practice field. But as soon as they cross the white line, it is the focus line. And to start the walkthrough, I bring the whole defense up, okay, and we break on focus. I tell them exactly where they're going to be. Like I said, a lot of our walkthroughs, almost all our walkthroughs are two-spotted. So I'll bring them all up on the sideline before we take the field. And I said, okay, now listen, okay, ones and uh, threes are going to be down here on the 40-yard line. Twos and fours are going to be down there on the goal line, okay? We're going to um, do a, a formation walk. Then we're going to split up, and we're going to do a seven-on-seven half-inside run walk, okay? All right? As soon as we cross this white line, it's our focus line, okay? And then we'll break, and we break with focus, and we sprint out onto the field on where we need to be, okay? And it's total, complete concentration and communication. We tell the players that we want you to have a pro mentality when you hit the, when you hit the practice field. And the walkthrough is an extension of practice. The practice has started when the walkthrough starts, not when stretch starts. It starts when the walkthrough process starts. And a pro mentality is one that today you're either going to make money or you're going to make a mistake and you're going to get cut. So if you take on that mentality of a pro mentality, when you're not in or when you're going through a walkthrough, you're going to concentrate, you're going to focus, and you're going to communicate a lot better. And we want them to understand that every aspect of player development is critical in developing that edge. And if you stack up a bunch of edges, okay, now – you're way above other players because you've taken an edge in the walkthrough. You've taken an edge in the meeting. You've taken an edge in the weight room. You've taken an edge in individual. You've taken an edge in 
uh, film study and all those edges added up, okay, can be a lot and it can make you a, a much better player. And a walkthrough isn't a chance to gain an edge. That's a chance to gain an edge with your mental approach to the game, your focus, your understanding, and your ability to get better. Coach, on the kind of the coaching, the coach's side of, of things in player development, um, you know, your role as the defensive coordinator, you have a staff together. Uh, sometimes you have those experienced coaches. Sometimes they're the, they're the younger coaches. But for you, some of the things that you emphasize to the coaching staff and in, in, in helping them in the player development aspect of, of what you want your uh, coaches to do on the defensive side of the ball, how, how are you coaching those guys? Well, during the day is, to me, is coaching the coaches. And I want to make sure that I'm detailed and as clear as possible on the expectations and what I exactly want them doing at practice. I want them to know exactly where they stand for every drill. I want them to know exactly what they're looking for in every drill. And I want to make sure that the buzzwords that they're using are the exact same buzzwords that we all agreed upon. One, one of the biggest issues that you can have in coaching is one coach is calling it this another coach is calling it that. And now the development of that player isn't near as good because he's confused. So we have to make sure that we're on the same page with exactly what we're doing during practice. Practice planning to me is, is critical and it takes a lot of time, you know, and, and sometimes that can become tedious to people, but I think it's very important. Okay. The most important time is the time that you spend with your players. And so the, plan of what you're going to do with the time with your players is critical. It's not the most important time isn't how much video you watch. The most important time is the time that you spent with your players. So make sure that that time is used wisely and it's, and it's, and it's detailed and it's organized and that all the assistant coaches are on the same page. And I think that when we have successful practices is when we had proper planning and the coaches understood exactly what we were trying to get accomplished and exactly how we were going to do things. So, you know, I go through the practice schedule with the coaches after, after we develop it, we go through it line for line, you know, exactly where, where everybody's going to be for every drill for every team period. And the calls are going to be called against what, and this is exactly what, I'm anticipating and here's how we're going to react to it. And is everybody clear? And does everybody understand exactly what their position is in position to do? You know, and a lot of times I'll make a cut up that um, applies to the whole defense, the things that I, when they break off by position that, the, that they're showing their guys too. And I think that when we prepare and we are all on the same page and, and, and everything is, organized and detailed before practice, that's when we usually have really good practices. Coach, getting into some of the details of, of your defense, you guys are a 3-4. You've already mentioned it a few times. You like Sims, Creepers, match coverage. Um, you know, the Sims and Creepers, I, I know when we first started uh, having to face those, certainly, uh, especially when passing downs caused us to rethink a little bit how we had to make our calls in order to stay sound and, and uh, you know, not let our, our protection be hurt. Um, but 
for those coaches out there who are looking to add that aspect to their defense, what's the simplest way to go about, you know, and there are a lot of, of, uh, of odd front coaches out there for sure, but, you know, adding those to your defensive package, what have you found the best way to, uh, again, stay simple, um, not add too much to your players, but yet be very effective with them? Well, when you run the 3-4, your base package is two outside backers, two inside backers, and three defense alignment. And, you know, your alignment is is uh, usually an odd alignment where you have your three defense alignment and some sort of head-up alignment. And the way that we explain fronts to our defense is we only have two fronts, guys. We only run two fronts. We run tight front, which is two four eyes and a zero okay or we run an overfront and an overfront to us is any time there is a three and a g or a shade it doesn't matter if it's to the tight end doesn't matter if it's to the back doesn't matter if it's away from the tight end our players look at any time there's a three shade five okay or three g five okay they understand that as an overfront so we only run two fronts okay we run tight and run over now when we line up in tight Okay, when we slant, we create over. When we line up and over, when we slant, we create tight. So the inside backers understand how to fit one tight, then they understand two how to fit over, and then they understand where what are we slanting to. And their run fit rules apply based on what front is being created. So any way we can, okay, if we're in a in an over front, we're going to create a lag nose, we're going to create a four eye, we're going to create a rush, and we're going to create a drop. Okay? And that's if we line up in an over and, and we run we run a simulated pressure. Now what I like about simulated pressures is that all the things that you want to get in a pressure against an offense, okay, when you're going to simulate it, you can get them, but you don't have to face the negatives that you have to face when you blitz. For example, when I run a simulated pressure, we do not get beat on quick game. We still have seven guys in coverage. So you want to try to bang a slant in there. I'm going to have two hook defenders in there. They're going to be able to defend that slant. There's not going to be the space that you get uh, when you bring five or six and you want to run quick game, we don't get beat on screens. We don't get beat on screens again, because we have seven guys in coverage. Okay. We get the advantages of a pressure because to an offense, it is a blitz. So the back is involved in the pressure. And as long as somebody comes from the second level, okay. And you're pressuring the man side, he's going to stay in. So now I'm only rushing four guys and you're only getting four out. So again, I got seven guys covering four because your back is involved in the protection, but it's only a four man rush. And then if I rush to the slide side, I still get the one-on-ones that I want because anytime a D lineman crosses from the slide side to the man side, the center goes with me. So now I've got two guys one-on-one to the slide side on the tackle and the guard. Our rules as a rusher in our simulated pressures too is whoever the back blocks that player must win that guy is not paid to protect 
So when the back is involved in the protection and he has to step up and block an inside backer on a four-man rush, that backer must win. If that backer doesn't win, okay, it's the fault is on him. You can't let a back block you in protection. So whoever the back blocks, that guy must win. So we try to get our one-on-ones on the running back. We try to get you to keep six guys in, or I should say, yeah, six guys in the protection when we're only rushing four. And now we get seven in coverage, and we're, we're sound versus screens, and we're sound versus quick game. And um, it's, it's simple to the players because they, they just know what front is being created. Uh, on the back end of that, Coach, um, you, know, you talked about match coverage, and um, you know it's certainly popular in running all these clinics this offseason. There's been a ton of of match coverage clinic talks um, for you. Again, looking at the the keys to being successful at match coverage, I guess maybe starting with with personnel, and again taking it through. Uh, the key techniques for you, uh, what are the keys to success in match coverage? Well, if you're going to be in good in match coverage, once one, you need to understand the principle behind it. And the reason that match coverage is good is because if you're in straight man, then you have man beers that you can get beat on. And if you're in straight cover three, then there are certain zone beaters you can get beat on. And the way that match coverage is designed is we're going to either be straight man or we're going to be in zone based on what you do. So, for example, if you're running mesh and you're running a bunch of shallows, the way that match coverage is designed is that that goes to zone. Okay. And that's what's a post snap key. You know, on defense, you got your pre snap keys and you got your post snap keys. Okay. So, within match coverage, it's designed that if you run a shallow route, we all go to zone. Okay. If you're running four verticals, we're all in man. And those are just some small examples of why match coverage is effective because if you're running man beaters, we're in zone. And if you're running zone beaters, we're in man. Now with that, you need to understand the intricacies of each technique within any zone matchup defense. You got guys that are man and less and you got guys that are zone and less so the corners in match three for us are man and less they're man on the wideouts unless they go shallow okay the hook defenders for us okay are zone and less they are hook defenders unless number three comes through their zone and then they match up number three and so in any zone matchup coverage, you have to understand is that player zone and less or is that player man and less? And that also tells you initially where your eyes are. If I'm man and less, my eyes are on my man. If I'm zone and less, my eyes are on the quarterback. And with match three, there's, there's a lot of things that are effective, but then there's also the beaters that people try to run into it. So the key is, is, is one that you develop all the checks, whether it's a pre-snap or whether it's a post-snap, okay, and the reactions to it, but then that you explain to kids what the beaters are and what the check is or the way to communicate something to stop the beater into match three. 
You know, I tell the players all the time, it would be so easy for us to go out there and play defense and not have any checks. Man, you guys would play fast, okay? Everybody would know what to do, and I think that's awesome. But the reason we have checks is so we don't get schemed. The reason we have checks is there's something that they're doing right now that's going to put you in a tough position to make a play. So we're going to check it. And so they need to understand why you're checking something and when you're checking something and you've got to work that and there, and therefore you don't get beat on the beaters that come up with it. Cause for you, what are, are some of the more difficult beaters to school your players up on ones that I guess present the most problems? Well, anytime you're in a zone defense, okay, whether you're in a zone matchup or you're just a straight zone, you, you, you've got to work flood routes. So like anytime they can get four guys into a zone, you know, that's not in your base teaching is who has the fourth player in the zone. And so you have to coach the guys who is the fourth through player, right? Anytime you flood a zone, who are the fourth through guys, right? Okay. And then also in, in match three is, is, how are you playing trips? You know, people in match three, there's all different ways that you can play trips. So when I say trips, I'm talking about like through true speed receivers out there. Mm-hmm. How are you playing it? You know, are you zoning it? Are you manning it? Are you, or are you playing match technique, which match technique means you're manning it unless they go under. And if they go under, then you're zoning it. Okay. And so you've got to, and then are you, are you pushing towards X and trips or are you pushing towards three? And that might be based on skill. That might be based on game plan. That might be all different kinds of things. You know, people when in match three, when, when you, when you line up in trips, that's where it, you can really do a lot of different things. And as an offense, that's where you can really attack people too, because you can see how they're playing it and where their strengths and their weaknesses are. And then, you know, empty in match three too can be an issue because the guy that is the weak hook defender has, uh, you know, two responsibilities. He's got weak hook and he has number three on and over. Well, you'll never have that responsibility in match three unless you're an empty because there's five guys in vertical alignments. And also the way that you, you know, anytime you want to attack a team that runs zone and matchup, you want to find a way that you can get them to check, you know, zone to one side and then somehow run a guy over into the man side and get in a position where nobody takes it. You know, in a match three, you tighten them up, you get them to bunch it up. As soon as you bunch up in a match three, they're going to zone check it. And then once they zone check it, you know, now you want to try to run an over route or something over to the man side, okay, and and run those guys off to the man side. Then you got you run an over route over there, and, and you might get somebody free. Uh, wheels, you know, you mm-hmm. know, if they run a double wheel, who's got the first wheel, who's got the second wheel, you know, um, uh, man, there's oh matchup issues. You know, you get over and you got to you know you put Reggie Bush at your tailback and um and you get him on a linebacker over there and you know you cut the split of X and you run a wheel on him. Okay, so you know you can get matchup issues over there too. Yeah, I think you described all the all the popular things that offenses are trying to do there certainly and. And trying to defeat that, but uh, you know, again, as you said, being able to have some of those checks allows you to stay sound. Um, Coach, flipping well, gears. Oh, go ahead. Let me say one more thing too, Keith. The, you know, the creepers eliminate some of those because you can't get five out unless right. it's a free release. So it eliminates that fifth person in 
the uh, the drop that you got to that you have to account for. So yeah, definitely, Coach. Flipping gears here, uh, one of the things you and I were talking a little bit about before we got going was you know developing as a a, a coach um, today and in, in you know the the way things have changed a little bit and you know uh, certainly uh, the social media aspect of things and being able to self promote and everybody you know in some regards becoming a digital marketer but um, there's still th- some th- some I guess strategies to succeeding in this profession are, are tried and true and one that stuck out to me that you mentioned before we got going was was bloom where you're planted. And uh, if, if you would, I guess, you know, you've been at a lot of places, you've been able to grow through this profession. Um, to you, what are some of the best ways to be successful today, even, even with the new things like, uh, you know, being able to utilize social media, being able to get into the digital world? Well, I, you know, I think social media is important in recruiting. You can definitely get a message out there to recruits and, and it's important to, you know, your brand as, as your football team, but social media is not going to get any college coach a job. You know, there's not one college coach that says, Hey, let's pull up his Twitter account and see how good of a, a Twitter guy he was before we hired him. I think that there's some things in social media that are important, but it's, it's, it's not going to help you move up in your career. The things that are important in moving up in your career as a college coach is what do other college coaches think about you? The way that you get jobs is based on what other college coaches think about you and things that, that um, they're going to describe about you are one, is he loyal? You know, two, is he, is he organized? Three, is he, is he a worker? Is he part of a solution and not part of the problem? Is he detailed? Is he, is he a motivator? Is he a learner? Is he a guy that uh, is above uh, reproach, which means he doesn't lose his cool? You know, is he, is he a guy that's compassionate with his players? Is he a guy that uh, can be himself, but that he can change? You know, he's a guy that's constantly trying to be the best he can be, accountable. Is he, is he self-disciplined? You know, and is he a role model? You know, is he, is he honest? You know, those are things that I think if you really want to move up in the profession, then, then, then you concentrate on looking yourself in the mirror and seeing where you are with some of those characteristics. And then what's going to happen is, is that people that you're working with are going to see that in you and they're going to be your reference for you, for your next job. People are going to call and say, Hey, tell me about the, you know, Joe blow. Oh man, this guy, I mean, he's so organized. I mean, he's got everything down to a T and, and he's a great staff guy. He gets along with everybody. And when he hits the field, man, he he's energetic and he's motivating his players and, and, and when you have, you know, multiple people saying that about you, now word gets out through other college coaches about how good a coach you are, and, and you know you're going to have lots of opportunity. You know, three main things in a college coach is is the ability to coach, the ability to recruit, and the ability to get along with other staff members. And those characteristics that I just named fall under those three things. And so if you concentrate on doing those things. I think that you'll move up. You know, everybody's on a different track too. I, I talk to young coaches all the time. You know, I've been doing this for so long and I haven't had a chance to move up and so-and-so just got in and he's already at a D1 school. Well, just because you're on a different track doesn't mean that you can't get to the final ending. 
just know that whatever your strengths and weaknesses are in your career, okay, are what they are. And, and you know, you, you can still get to the same place that any other coach is trying to get to. It just may be a different track to get there. And, and don't lose sight of that and, and, and keep doing, you know, everything right. And eventually, you know, your break may come when you're 40 as opposed to some other coaches' break came when he was 25. Doesn't mean that, that you're not going to get to where you want to go. It just means you're on a different track. Definitely. That's great advice, Coach. And uh, you've, you've brought up a lot of great things during the course of this conversation. But when you look at all the things that you do as a coach, what's the one thing you really point to that gives your players the winning edge? Well, I want my players not only to, you know, execute and to, and to um, swarm the ball and to win one-on-ones and to, to create takeaways and to tackle. We call that the, the standard. I mean, those are the five things that we, we harp on with our players and we chart that and we watch that after practice. But on top of that, I want my players to understand concepts and situations. You know, the perfect example, okay, somebody's tempoing and, and you're in a, a man-free coverage and you're going to get down and they've got a two-back set and, you know, you're going to be in a three-way with the two linebackers and the safety and the rule was that the safety comes down to the tight end. Well, they tempo and the safety can't get over to the tight end. He comes down away, but the safety and the two linebackers, they understand the concept and they just bump over. Right. Okay. And so that's understanding concepts. And then, you know, situations, the game of football is, is not won by yards. Yards doesn't determine wins. Okay what determines wins is winning situations. It's, it's winning third down. It's winning the red zone. It's winning the two minute. It's winning the four minute. Okay. It's, it's winning backed up. It's winning goal line. Okay. It's winning first down efficiency. It's, it's understanding second and long. It's, it's understanding, you know, personnels and in different ways that they're going to attack you. The game of football is one on winning situations, whichever team wins the more situations, that team's going to win more games. And so the more that you can educate your players on the different types of ways that they need to execute in a different situation and the different types of things that they're going to see from an offense in a different situation, then the better you're going to be. The more situations you win, the more games you win, period. And um, I think that those two things are what I really try to harp on to give my players the edge is, along with being fundamentally sound and, and uh, playing hard, that my players are going to understand concepts and they're going to understand situations. Coaches, you could follow Coach Elliott on Twitter. It's at Coach Elliott, E-L-I-O-T. Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time and talking ball with us here on the podcast today. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator podcast. Please check out all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com. We've got some great things coming for you in May and for the last three months or so of this offseason. We'll be back with All In on Offense and our deep dive on defense. And we have some great interviews with coaches as well as some quick casts that we'll throw in there. Check out all we're doing again at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.